Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, we've got two pretty big podcasts uh, here uh, that, that are loop together. Uh, basically, we want to talk about uh, the scientific method. It's been requested. Um, but uh, before we can really talk about scientific method, we really need to talk about what science is. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like what, what comes to mind when most people think of science, do you think? Lab coats. Yeah. You know, um, potions that are bubbling, explosions, Frankenstein. I'm pre-associating yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it often, there's often this kind of magical view of it. Yeah, that it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of like modern magic. And certainly, uh, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, right? Um, who said that? Oh. Who said that again? I it was Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I may be wrong on that. No, 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 you did. You yeah. did. It was, it was, it was Arthur Clark. Yeah. Arthur it's, C. Clark. Okay. It's actually in that quiz I did, um, uh, the quiz on who said it, Sagan or, uh, Crichton. And then we threw in some extra quotes to throw people off. Um, but, but anyway, yes, science gets, uh, it's one of those things that exists and it's so big and it's just around us everywhere. You often, often it's kind of hard to put a finger on exactly what it is, you know, and defining it helps people to understand it. Um, I I think that science can get caught up in, you know, as a massive entity, kind of like the media, Mm -hmm. the media are doing this, scientists are doing that. Whereas scientists are carrying out very disparate experiments on very, Interesting, but, you know, separate causes on everything in the universe, everything that's going on in the natural world. So a bit of a mistake to lump everybody together and to, to generalize science. But there are some core concepts that link science together. Yeah. Now, now hit us with some of these quotes. Like, What does the uh, Oxford American Dictionary say science is? Oh, start off with a really interesting one first. Um, science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experimentation. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, it's kind of wordy, but yeah. I don't think it gets at the excitement behind science or the discovery. Yeah. Uh, or, or just like the, the power and importance. That's why I really like how, uh, Carl Sagan referred to it as a candle in the dark, as a, a truth that illuminates the quote, demon haunted world, you know? Um, this thing that, uh, extinguishes superstition and, and ex- shines a light into the darkest yeah, corners. Yeah, explains unknowns, you know, and it's, I, I tend to like those definitions that see it as this kind of like expanding thing that's bigger than all of us, you know? Like, um, in, in thinking this over before we went in, I kept thinking about, um, uh, about how it kind of amounts to a kind of communal intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, cause like, um, like even our most gifted minds, can only perceive and accomplish so much, right? Uh, we come up against this thing called cognitive closure, like the, the limits of the human mind to, to understand the universe. Um, but if you have minds working in concert with each other, you know, if you have minds picking up where others left off, standing on the, the, the shoulders of giants, as uh, who was it, Sir Isaac Newton put yes, it? Yes, yes. Uh, and moving forward with this some, uh, systematic precision, you know, then it, it just expands the limits on what science can accomplish. And it really, I, I truly believe it, you know, it becomes something that's bigger than all of us, something that, you know, is... And that's not scary. That's something that we should be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be kind of scary if you think of it the wrong way. But no, I think in, in general, it's like, it's the, the, well, 
Yeah, on one hand, it's what makes the uh, humans great, but it has empowered humans to do some pretty agreed. horrible things. But, agreed, agreed. But, uh, but, but either way, it's, it's certainly like the, one of the, if not the greatest things about humanity. So let's round out this section with a couple of quotes that, um, I really need to, to get out here. So there's Oscar Wilde weighing in on science and he says, science is the record of dead religions. Yeah. And then there's MLK Jr. Um, who says that science investigates religion interprets. Science investigates, religion interprets. Science gives man knowledge, which is power. Religion gives man wisdom, which is control. That's a pretty good one. And then, of course, Einstein, who says, well, science is a wonderful thing if one does not have to earn one's living at it. Dope. That doesn't doesn't, uh, doesn't bode well for us, does it? (laughs) Especially Um, for one of science's brightest minds, rock stars, so to speak. (laughs) So let's get into some of these core concepts that define science. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, and this is coming from a wonderful uh, article, uh, actually on scientific method, by William Harris. Yes. Our uh, our freelancer extraordinaire, and yeah. uh, and it's and Bill was an old science teacher. Yeah, yeah. Which it I, comes I, across in his writing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, as a science teacher, he's constantly like taking scientific things, breaking it down for. For an audience that may not be all that receptive at times, I'm sure. So, uh, so yeah, it comes across in the article and it's a really good one. Well worth uh, checking out. But, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll just, he divided it up into, I think, seven parts, like seven sort of, um, you know, core statements that define what, uh, what science is. And I thought it worked just really well on the page. So we would, uh, we'd stick to that format here in the podcast. Practicality. Um, yeah. That's our first one. Let's just throw it out there. Science is practical. And you might think of this, you know, as learning from textbooks, you know, uh, hearing a teacher speak, a professor lecture on some subject, but really it's focused on discovery. Mm-hmm. And it's, it discovery is that active hands-on process. It's not something, you know, that's just isolated to certain scholars tinkering with, you know, GC mass spec and wondering what they're going to find. It's, it's all sorts of people in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. People who practice science. For the most part, it's not done just because of some sort of love of abstraction or something. It's it's you know what can we what can we get? Let's ask some some reasonable questions about the world, and then let's you know find a way to answer them. And I should mention that, of course, we do think of scientists being in the lab, but they're very much in the field too. Yeah, yeah, like the lab is important, as we'll, we'll get to when we start talking about the actual methods you know involved. But uh, but yeah, science science is out there. It's not disconnected from the world. Yeah, it's a search for information. It's this really this journey, this quest to explain how information fits together in meaningful ways. Right. Right. You know, you get the um, the guys, the theoretical physicists out there, and then you get all of uh, Einstein's adherents, and they're out there working to solve that big old physics mystery. Yeah. So let's uh, let's hit up point number two, and that is science is based on observation, and this is key. It's not again, it's not just guys in ivory tower going, "I bet frogs do such and such because of X." No, it's like people going out. Let's observe frogs. Let's see what the frog does now. Let's see if the frog does it again. Let's then let's see if the frog does it again, and then let's see what the if the frog does it again under different circumstances, etc. You know, it's it's about observing. Right, and as you get at, um, it's it's about replication as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about talking to your colleagues. Hey, this is what I noticed this particular species of frog could do. Uh, and the colleague says, oh, you know, I'm not sure about that. Maybe I'll, I'll try that experiment. You know, I'll replicate what you did. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I won't replicate what you did. Maybe my results will be different. Maybe we'll need to take this in a new direction. Yeah. 
And that's another big thing. Um, when we were researching this podcast, it comes across, I think that people can get very tied up in science being pedantic and following these steps. And sure, we are going through these different parts of science and what defines science. But science is creative. Science is innovative. Yes, it does have core concepts, but nothing's set in stone. Right. Yeah. I mean, science has, uh, has often involved, um, you know, making new discoveries that change centuries old, um, uh, laws. Say, uh, you know, especially pertaining to physics, you know, Newton came, I mean, not Newton, Einstein came along and, uh, and he changed some things that, uh, Newton pr- had proposed that had stood, uh, the test of time. It's also important to note that when we're talking about science, we as a society, um, inform what's going on, what investigations are being carried out. You know, is there an outbreak of West Nile virus? Then yes, people are going to be concerned and there will be research poured into investigating, uh, the pathology of West Nile virus. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that kind of leads into uh, point number three, and that is that data reveals the structure of something. What is the thing that we're studying, be it West Nile virus or a star or, you know, you name it. And that often means breaking it down into quantitative data. That means describing an object numerically um, and uh, and using some sort of uh, like a unit of measurement. So, you know, it's like a Becquerel. Yeah, or, you know, or just miles per hour, you know, something as simple as that. You know, we're breaking, we're, we're getting a unit out and then we're busting out some numbers on it and we're quantifying it. But quantitative data isn't everything. There's also qualitative data and, and yes. that can be a little bit trickier to interpret, a little bit more of a, a time suck to gather. Yeah, this is point four. Uh, but yeah, data can also reveal behavior. Um, and you know, when you're talking about qualitative data, you're really talking about that something that's a written description about an object or an organism. It complements quantitative data. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you, it gives you really the complete picture. You know, what is it made of and how does it behave? Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, really revolves around behavior. So it's like, um, we, we know what the frog looks like. We've cut it open. We've seen all the insides, but what's it doing? How does it behave? Oh, or, you know, or just something as simple or not as simple, but something like light, for instance, you know, breaking down what light is and then how light behaves in the universe. Yeah. So science is also an intellectual pursuit. Yeah. This point number five that, uh, that, uh, Mr. Harris makes. And, uh, this is just, uh, Making observation and collecting data are not the ultimate goals. Data must be analyzed and used to understand the world around us. A data point is only that. It's just a data point. It takes you, the scientist, to infer and draw conclusions and uh, take your research in a new direction based on what you find, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, to, and uh, this is important to derive generalizations based on specific observations. Oh, here's your, I like your generalization. Oh, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people have been uh, in this boat. All right, so my cat, uh, Biscuit. If you're listening, you know, here's a shout out. Hey, Biscuit. Yeah. She's, she's not listening. She never listens to any of my podcasts. Totally unsupported. How do you know? She just doesn't. I do ask, you leave them playing in the house when you're gone? No, but I mean, I ask her about her and she's just like, Psst, you know. But um, anyway, so. So what, what is she doing if she's uh, well, not listening to her podcast? Well, that instead of listening to the podcast, she spends her days like climbing up next to the window and doing like a lot of cats meeping at birds. What is? What do you mean by well, meep? It's, it's not, not exactly really meeping. Person. It's more like. <laughs> you know, they kind of make this little <laughs> noise at the birds, which, you know, and, you know, and my wife and I sit around discussing it. And we're like, well, what does it mean? Is she saying I, I would eat you if there was not glass here? Is she saying I want to go to there? You know what? I think she's saying I want to go to there. Yeah. We didn't mention the meep in our How Cats Work article. 
Did they not? I don't think they mentioned the Meep. Well, that's the weird thing because I I always have a hard – that's like a whole different podcast because I can never find like really good solid data as to why cats do any of the things they do. Um, But anyway, so the cat's meeping at birds, right? So – Maybe all cats meep at birds. Yeah, do all cats meep at birds? That's a generalization. And then that would be the generalization that one would would, uh, investigate. So Edwin Hubble – the great man behind the Hubble shift. Mm-hmm. 1919, he observed what he thought were nebulae speeding away from what was thought to be the universe's only galaxy. Okay. Milky Way. And what kind of generalization did he get from that? Well, he said, well, maybe the universe is made of millions of galaxies and all of them are moving away from each other as the universe expanded. So, so that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and that was a starting point for a, our under, a lot of our current understanding of the universe. So. Right. So Hubble's uh, observation, of course, drew much more research. And mm-hmm. it kind of gets at the quote that we put in here as a nice little uh, close it out on this point by George Bernard Shaw. Science, it never solves a problem without creating 10 more. Yeah. And I... And it seems like you uh, you have kids, so I imagine... Are they the age yet where they ask question after question after question? Yes. Okay. So it seems like the same thing, right? It's... Like they ask a question, you answer it, and that stirs, in, you know, numerous other questions. Yes, there is an unlimited line of inquiry with yeah. children. Well, the one who can talk. Right. <laughs> and they do they tend because that's the other thing too is like the questions. Science is about questions getting deeper too, right? Like sure, yeah. I mean, definitely. You think about a child's reasoning. Okay, so here might be an exchange. Um, you ask me, we have to go take a bath now. Mm-hmm. And the kid goes. Why do we have to go take a bath? Well, because, uh, you know, you played outside today and you got dirty. And then the kid asks, why did I get dirty? Well, you know, there's a lot of different whys that can be. Oh, okay. I don't know that she's ever asked, why am I dirty? But it does, yeah, it just gets deeper and deeper. And pretty soon mm-hmm. you're, you know, tackling these huge questions of, you know, religion and science and Like it starts off just trying to get physics. the kid to take a, a bath and then eventually it's like, what is time, mother? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. Just here's the shampoo. Go for it. Speaking of time, you're going time out unless you get in the bath now. <laughs> so let's keep moving on. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to point six, and that's that science makes predictions. And here's the thing. And then then test those predictions using experiments. So, like, generalizations are great, yeah, and they enable us, but they enable us to make those predictions and then test them, and that's key. Like, like if I was to, uh, you know, the generalization about all cats meeping at birds, um, I would, you know, if I were going to investigate that, I would want to, uh, you know, put it to the test. Um, like, get a whole bunch of cats together, put them through uh, rigorous testing to see how they respond to birds on the other side of glass. You know, which ones meep at, uh, at birds on the other side of glass? Which ones meep at moths? Which one, you know, et cetera. And you would have to, like, you know, then quantify all the data. And you have to control for all the interesting variables going Mm -hmm. on there. Are there some long-haired cats in the mix? Are there some kitties and some old cats? Are some of the cats missing their eyes? Yeah. So perhaps they don't see the bird. Are they meeping at different birds? There are all sorts of ways you could set up this experiment, which would probably draw more experiments and more funding. Cool. Okay, and then finally, point seven, science is systematic. Yeah, if you want to check out why cats are meeping at birds, you really got to make it systematic. Otherwise, mm-hmm. no one's going to take you credibly. Yeah. It's kind of like going back to the, um, like, science is this ever-expanding thing. I like I, I sometimes like to think of it in terms of, say, like, imagine an army on a battlefield, and they're going to, say, 
take this next uh, hill, you know, or uh, achieve this next tactical victory. They like point to the place on the map. It's like, all right, we're going to we're going to take this area, and then they have to sit down and figure out strategy. All right, how do we take that area? You know, how do you, you can't just march out into it. You have to have a plan, and uh, and that's part of the the systematic aspect of science. Like science is like a finely tuned army. You know, and it's uh, when it with ever changing tactics, ever changing tactics, you know, well, some some core tactics that remain to sit in the same, which we're going to get to in the next uh, in the in the next podcast, scientific method. OK, the tactics can change, but some remain true right. form. But also, I mean, goals differ, mm-hmm. of course. The laws change. Yeah. Yeah, I like your battlefield experiment. I'll give it to you. It's <laughs> one of my more favorite analogies. It doesn't fall. It doesn't on. fall apart as quickly as some of them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how all these parts fit together in the scientific method for our next podcast. So be sure to listen in as we get into uh, what the scientific method is. And I bet you guys probably have a good idea. And we will also be taking you through a little experiment that we uh, devised on our own involving uh, perhaps some pudding pops and somebody stealing them. We'll see. Yeah, tune in next time. Yeah, and if you guys have a favorite science quote that you want to share with us, uh, be sure to send it to us at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. And if you want to go over to the site and check out Bill Harris's article on the scientific method, go ahead and do that too. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.